The Bible says in numerous places that there is a newness about being a Christian. And actually there are seven phrases that says or that talks about something new about the Christian or about our experience because of being in Christ. And you already know one because we talked about it, new creation. What are some of the other ones? There's six in uh, seven in total, but I've given you one. What's another thing that describes new about the Christian, either now or in the future? Yes, Pam. Yes, thank you. New name. So new creation, new name. What else do we enjoy as Christians? What's another part of the newness of being a believer? Mike? A renewed mind. Okay, that's cheating, but that's still good because the, the, the word is the same except with a prefix. Yep. New destiny. A new destiny. That's true. I'm, I'm going to say a little bit more specifically an exact phrase I'm looking for, but we do have a new destiny. In fact, would you like to tell us what that new destiny is that happens to be new? A new heaven. And? New earth. There you go. New heavens and earth. See, I knew you had it in you. Another one, we're going we're gonna to cover this one Sunday night because we're doing something. Yes? New body. No. <laughs> what? Yes, new covenant because we're going to take the Lord's table, right? We're, new covenant. What about another one? Yes? Yes, newness of life. That's our foundational text tonight. That's not an exact one, but it is right there. That's good. Someone else. Did I miss a hand? Psalm 40. There's a hint. Anyone, does that get, ring a bell for anybody? He took my feet out of the miry clay and set them on a rock, and he has put a new... A new song, right, in my mouth. Someday there is going to be a city that's going to be built. And Hebrews says that all the patriarchs looked forward to it. Revelation at the end talks about it by name. What is it? Yes. The New Jerusalem. And the last but not least is talked about twice, if not three times, if you include Romans. It talks about a new and an old version of this that changes when you become a Christian. Yes. Yes, the new man. There you go. So there's a lot of newness in the Bible, and it stresses it quite a bit. Maybe you didn't ever put all those together and link them, but we're going to, and it's going to be a little bit of a series on Wednesday night since we're coming into a new year. I thought we would talk about what it means to be new and how we can tell if you're new and how that should look if you are new. We all like new things. Um, new car. And if you ever go to the, well, at least the one I go to, if you get your car washed, they give you a, which scent would you like? And they even put new car scent in there because I don't know how you can manufacture it. And it's not really even close if you ask me, but it does smell good. But new scent, new car, a new Cell phone. Anybody get a new cell phone for Christmas? 
Wow, nobody. Any new tech at all? New computer, new TV, none of that? You guys are holding out on me. Uh, reading a new, my favorite new is new book. A new book is great. Watch a new movie. How about new clothes, new shoes? Remember when you were a newlywed and you were first married? How about when you have a newborn child? We like new things, new restaurants, new job. Um, Christianity is really that. It is a new beginning. It's a, truthfully, it's a new you, um, a new life. And Sandy alluded to it, Romans 6, 4. If you want to turn there, we're, we're going to spend a few minutes there as foundation for all the other news newness of life things that we're going to talk about. Romans chapter 6. Verse 4. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life, newness. It's the word here that in the context, newness means resurrection. That's what the newness is, that kind of life, a life that you used to be dead and now you're alive, that, that kind of life. There ought to be a newness about your daily life. Newness doesn't happen just the day you get saved. Newness is a trait or a characteristic that should... Mark you all your days as a Christian. It ought to be obvious that you're new. Chris's testimony, as she was talking, that girl was different. She was new. She had a newness about her. Now, Chris would have never thought to say it that way, right? But she did. She had a newness about her. Just like you say the newness of a car. You can tell between a new car and an old car, right? You know the difference. You know the difference between old clothes and new clothes and old shoes and new shoes and an old computer and what it can do and a new computer. It's obvious. When you know something's new versus old, right, it's obvious. It ought to be obvious that there's a newness about your life. And I put on here in my notes, newness is a comparative word. It's a word of contrast. And like newness presupposes oldness. Right? So like, so if we had a new pastor coming at Faith Baptist Church, that would be the new pastor, and Pastor Dave is the old pastor. See how that works out? New versus old. They kind of go together like that. And newness also presupposes that there has been a change from the oldness. So I want to set it straight because it's foundational for all the other ones that we're going to look at. Newness has an inside aspect. And newness has an outside aspect. Did you read the verse with me? You were, you were buried with him in baptism and then raised by him to glory of the Father. So you should, circle it, walk in newness of life. If you have a new belief but you don't have a new behavior, you're not new. You're not. He says this. There's a positional newness. You're buried and raised that's positional. But also there's a practical newness. You walk it. You live it every single day in your life. Every single day. He says this is a lifestyle described by the word walk. 
It means to live this way. It's a new, that's why it's called a newness of life. The newness of life is also a newness of lifestyle. It really is. And throughout this passage, if you keep reading, and we don't have time to develop all of it, but the newness of life is marked by no longer having sin have a dominion over you. In other words, before you were saved, all you could do was sin. You had, so let me go back a little further. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve could sin or not sin. Once they sinned, all they could do was sin. But once the, rec- the, the redemption was made, they could have a choice again. They could sin or not sin. That's where you and I are as Christians. Someday, there will be only one choice, praise his name. We will only choose to do right and not sin. But this is where we are right now. We are the old Adam versus the new Adam, Romans chapter 5. Chapter 6, verse 6, the old self versus the new self. And then he tells you a little later, if you keep reading on, this old and new pattern keeps going. You have an old slavery and a new slavery. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but Romans 6 makes it very clear that when you become new creation, when you become a Christian, you don't go from slavery to no slavery. You go from slavery to sin to slavery to God. See, we just get a new master. (laughs) That's the difference. But we're still slaves. Paul says that. Uh, throughout Romans 6 toward the end of that passage. So we get a new inside and a new outside. And I would tell you, and the reason why I ask, and I've done it before, but for this reason, did you notice a lot of people, in fact, the majority of people who get saved in this world get saved 18 years old or under. So if you got saved beyond 18, you would be in the minority of people who get saved and become new. And when you do, you get saved on the inside, and it affects your outside. And I think that is absolutely crucial um, to tell your children as they grow up. If you have children or you have grandchildren, it is crucial to tell them what it means to be a new creation. And it is both. It is brand new on the inside and brand new on the outside in the way you live. As we go through these couple texts, I want to give you a couple lines because there's so much stuff here, I can't give it to you all at once or in any detail. But there is a word in this text, and there's a word in the other two texts about new creation, a phrase, I should really say, that repeats itself. And it's the phrase that denotes change, and it's no longer. No longer in Romans 6, verse 6. No longer in Romans 6, verse 9. The two passages that have the phrase new creation. There are only two in the entire New Testament. They are both authored by the Apostle Paul, and they both have very similar traits to them. And in a moment, we're going to look at both of them briefly, Galatians 6.15 and 2 Corinthians 5.17. Those are the two definitive texts in detail that give you what it means to be a new creation. But We're going to look at all of them, each one of these seven ones at a time, but tonight... Just the one, new creation. Everyone who is in Christ is a new creation. That's from 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about newness of life. And what does that mean? Truthfully, if you read Romans, it is in comparison to no newness of death. In other words, death to life is what the newness is all about. Your life and your children's life, if it is new should be as radically different as someone who is dead and is now alive. That's the metaphor. That's the the picture from death to life. 
So let's take a look at Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, I'm going to put it in context and read verse 11 to you. Galatians 6.11, see with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. Paul, when he wrote letters to the churches, used what's called an amanuensis. An amanuensis was someone, and we know of one of them because he signed his name to the letter Tertius. Um, Paul would dictate, and Tertius would write it down. When Paul wanted to make sure that you knew it was authentic, one of the ways that he indicated that was signing the end of it by his own hand, and because he had eye issues seemingly from Scripture, he would write, with this case, large letters, um, because that's the only way he could see whether he was writing it correctly. All right? So he says in this last part, See which large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised. These are Judaizers who say, if you want to be new and be a new creation, it's Jesus plus the law. You have to keep the law plus Jesus, especially circumcision. Otherwise, you're not going to be a new creation. Verse 12 continues, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Keep in mind, and again, we'll try to do our best. Both of them are about the cross, both of these new creation texts. Both of them are about boasting. Both of them are about going from a legalistic view of salvation to a biblical one, a gospel one. All of those things are similar between these two passages. But, verse 14, God forbid... That I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, with whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, and here's our phrase, but a new creation. A new creation. So what is he saying? Well, people say, here's how you be a new creation. You have to add Jesus plus the law, keep all the rules under Torah, and he says, not true. He says they do that because they don't want to be persecuted and, and, and boast in the cross of Christ because that would be an, an issue for them because it's offensive. So there's two boasting here. Boasting in their flesh, meaning the circumcision. And he says we don't boast as new creations and what we are and what we could do. But here's what we do boast in. Not in the flesh of people. But in the flesh of Christ, that's the contrasting boast. He says, you know what I do? It's Jesus crucified. It was his flesh, his woundedness. It was his death. See, it's that I boast in because that's what brings the persecution. That's why they don't do it. So what does that mean, Pastor Walker? Here's what it means. That when you become a new creation, that you have a completely different value system. See, they used to boast in this, and now you boast in this. And it ends up that the cross is the dividing line, not only in redemptive history from the old covenant to the new covenant, but it's the dividing line in your life once you become a new creation, he says. Listen to how he talks about how the death of Jesus and the cross of Jesus changed everything when he became a new creation. He says in verse 14, see, I have, the world has been crucified to me and I unto the world. 
So the crucifixion is not something to be relegated off 2,000 years in the past that Jesus died on there for my sins. That's true. It is amazingly, marvelously true. But it is not its only impact or power in our lives. It has past power, but it has present power. How? Because we are continually crucified to the world. Paul was a person of the world to come. He even starts this book in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4. He says, you know why Jesus came to deliver us? He came to deliver us from this present evil world or age. That's what he did. He didn't just deliver us from hell. He delivered us from living not a newness of life. That's what he says. So what is newness of life? What does it look like? It's the person who has the cross of Jesus in their life that only not only changes, i.e. James, the destiny, a new destiny, but a new desire, a new deeds, a new what? All kinds of new things, especially when it comes to the world. Crucified to the world and the world crucified to me, which means the world doesn't dictate what I value and what I hope in and what I desire I'll see crucified. You have to understand, crucifixion for us is often too often relegated to just the place where we get saved. But you realize that crucifixion was a horrible, torturous death, but in a shame and honor culture, it had social ramifications. See, you were crucified in a public place without clothes on, and you would be spit on, and left for dead, and you would not, never, almost never, Jesus is an exception, you would not be put in a grave, which was a a dishonor, and you couldn't be put in a grave, and they wouldn't let you be put in a grave. You would be discarded in a mixed grave with a bunch of other bodies of people who had been crucified, and that's all that you would get. It was a dishonor. So you have to understand that when you are crucified to the world, that means this, that you choose... You choose shame and dishonor and all that goes with it because you choose Jesus. That is a hard thing for our teenagers to get. It really is. You have to have to go to our schools today in our society. If you do you choose to go, you have to be able to say that I'm going to choose shame and dishonor. When I don't talk like everybody else and I don't laugh at those jokes and I have morality and I don't get drunk or get high and I don't do this, and I, there is shame if you're not like everybody else. To, to say that you are crucified to that means I'm dead to that, that that's not going to persuade me or move me. See, Paul says... And, In revolutionary terms, listen to him. In the same book, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Same little word phrase, remember? It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you see how it works? Cruciformed life at the beginning of the verse flows out of cruciform love at the ending. He loved me and gave himself for me. It is his cross that allows me to die to the world because it is his cross that changes my life with his love every day. That's what it looks like to be a new creation. That's where the cross comes in. A new creation automatically means a new cruciformity. It does. The cross has to have a place. And I would tell you, we are missing out 
when we are talking to young people today and everybody else for that matter for not mentioning what the cross is altogether. That it is not just something that you believe in at the beginning and it isn't a great thing. Jesus died for you. But the cross is something that starts that day and moves all the way through your life. That's what Paul says a new creation is. That's why he says this. See, circumcision, uncircumcision, look at the text. It's nothing. When it comes to what really matters most, what's most valuable, most meaningful, the law and all those things are nothing. What really matters the most, he says, is a new creation. Do you have it, he would say. Do you have it? So you might say this. If you're writing writing notes down, a new creation, when you become one, you begin to evaluate things differently because now you see everything through the lens of the cross, the lens of the cross. What would that look like? I wrote down this. Go home tonight or sometime soon and read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through the end of the chapter, and you will know what it means to have a cruciform life. You will view, and I wrote them down, you will view wisdom differently, power differently, honor and shame differently, boast differently, and your image differently. Read those passages because when you live a cruciform life as a new creation and you are crucified to the world and the world to you, you will think this is wise and not this anymore. You will not buy into your friends at school or what they say on the television, or what celebrities say, or what secular people might put into your mind. You'll have a different wisdom completely, and it will be, to most people, completely weird. Power. Power will be weakness, and weakness will be power. Honor will be shame. Shame will be honor. You will boast in things that everyone else thinks that you should keep quiet about. And your image when you become a new creation, will be reflecting the image of God, not the image of who you think is cool and what is really popular in this world. You see, it's a completely different lifestyle. It's new. It's new. All the old things are gone. They're different. Paul says, look at our text. He says in Galatians, verse 15, for in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Now watch. Remember our Romans 6 text? And as many as, circle it again, walk according to this world rule. And I want to show you very specifically. This word walk is not the same one in Romans 6. This word walk in Galatians 16, 616, draw a line. It's the same exact word in Galatians 5.25, one chapter back, and it says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And it means to walk in somebody's footprints or steps. It's only used four times, two in Galatians, two in Romans. And it always talks about walking on someone's path that they've marked out for you. So what is a person who has become a new creation, how do they walk? Well, Galatians 5 says, you'll walk in the steps of the Holy Spirit, and he'll produce that fruit in your life. That's what it will look like. So if you're going to tell someone, hey, are you a new creation? Are you really new? What's new in you? You'd have to say, well, look at your walk. 
Whose steps are you following? Is it the Spirit of God or the world's? Because Paul said, I, I was crucified to that. I'm crucified to the world. I don't follow in those steps. I don't hold their values. I don't boast in those things anymore. How far would you take it, Pastor Walker? How far would Paul take it? He says this, if as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy to you. See, the book ends with a blessing, but if you go to the beginning of the book in chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, it starts with a curse. He says, if you don't believe the gospel, the gospel of what? That it's not circumcision, it's not keeping Torah, it's not keeping the law. If you add that to it, here's what he says, may you be anathema. So the, the, here's how strong he says about it. Here's what the gospel is. You don't add anything to it, not Jesus plus anything. If you'll be accursed, but he says, but if you keep this rule, this standard of truth, and you add nothing to it, and you follow in the steps of Jesus, he says, then you'll get a blessing. That's how strong he is about it. And what was he willing to go through to live like that? From now on, verse 17, let no one trouble me, for I carry in my body, same word bear, back in chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, I bear others' burdens, I carry a load, I carry in my body the marks, the stigmata, the beating, the branding, the tattoos, literally is what it means. The tattoos of Jesus. In other words, you want to see whose steps I follow in? Take a look at my back and the rest of my body. He says, I can tell you who I follow. I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. It was a word used about religious or secular tattoos, especially of slaves of their masters that branded them as being owned by their master. He says, there is no doubt in my life, look at how I live and how I walk, he says. That's what it means to be a new creation. Last one, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you'll turn back to that if you would. Second Corinthians 5, let me read the context. Verse 12. If we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, they're boasting again, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance, he says, and not in heart, about the outside, not the inside, the circumcision, but not the flesh, of the flesh, but not of the heart, Romans 2, 28 and 29. He says, for if we are beside ourselves... If we're acting like we're crazy, and by the way, if you're a new creation, people will think you are. If we are, we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us, constrains us. It hems us in. It controls us, we might say. Because we judge this, but if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, purpose clause, that those who live, ready? should no longer, there's our phrase, no longer for, live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So write this down. New creation gives you a new center. It's no longer you. It becomes Jesus. That is the biggest thing that should happen and you see in someone's life. A new creation is someone who no longer has self at the center, but Jesus at the center of their lives. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus 
There it is again. No longer. Therefore, our verse, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. (coughs) Old things have passed away, which are the old covenant things. Read chapter 3 for yourself. Especially verses, chapter 3, verses 7 and 11 talks about what is passing away. He says, and behold, all things have become new. All throughout this, if I can just quickly say it, we got about eight or ten minutes left. Can I just show you in the passage, there are a bunch of things that all make it fit together, and they are all Genesis quotations. They are all things about creation, which is our theme tonight. They are, and I follow if you want to write them down, chapter 3 and verse 18 says that you can be unveiled because you will become more like the image of Jesus. And then in chapter 4 and verse 6, let me read it for you. For it is God who commands light to shine out of darkness. What is that? Genesis chapter 1, a creation account, right? And that same power that created the universe and brought light out of darkness when there was none is the same light of God's glory that shines in people's hearts. So the Genesis creative power of God is the same power works in people to bring them to be new creations. He also says, down in chapter 5, in verses 1 through 3, that he gives the the analogy of Adam being clothed and unclothed and naked, and he says that's what we have in our future. We'll be clothed by God like Adam was because we're going to get a new glorified body. And then he comes to our text, and he says... And I, I want to do one more thing. He says, the love of Christ, the cruciform love of Christ, his dying in our behalf love, it controls us. That new love comes in your heart and controls us. So what? So that the old things are passed away and the, the new, all things have become new. What do you know about the Corinthians? What kind of people were they on the average? You remember First and Second Corinthians? What were some of the issues they faced? They were, had problems morally. They had incestual relationships in the church. They had people who were sexually immoral. They have a quotation, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, says that you used to be adulterers, fornicators, homosexuals, and they list a lot of sexual deviancy, right? They had selfishness based on status, They came to the Lord's Supper, and the people that were richest and well-off, they would eat first, and then all the other people that didn't have as much, they wouldn't get anything, and it was a mess. They have idolatry going on, and people going in the temple and not caring about what other people watch them do. And they have all kinds of things going on. They were taking each one to court. So you can imagine what, for the Corinthians in their day, like in our day, he says, all things have become new. So he wants to tell them, hey, the old things, personally in your life, the way you you viewed sexuality, the way you viewed other people, the way you viewed money, status, you see what he's saying? New creation changes everything. Everything about how you view everyone. Morally, relationally, socially, spiritually, financially, he had to coax them into giving. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, even though they were the richest ones of all, And it bothered him. You know why? Because he knows what it means to be a new creation, that you walk differently. We are approaching a new year, 
And I would encourage you, I'm doing this for myself in this series, I'm sitting down and looking at each one of these areas and asking, how new am I? Do I walk in newness of life? Am I walking like the Corinthians, more like the world, or am I crucified to it? Is there a no longer that continues to no longer be in my life? Am I more about centered in myself or am I centered in Jesus? Who really does my life revolve around? Take a real deep look at your life. Look at your schedule. Look at your time. Look at where you put all your money and all your effort and all your energy. And and ask yourself, is what I'm living for worth Christ dying for. Leonard Ravenhill had that put on his tombstone when he died. And he said, I try to live by it every day of my life. To be a new creation means, I've thought through this, that what I'm living for is worth Christ dying for. And I want this year, I hope you do too, in 2024, I want the love of Christ to constrain me. I want the love, the cruciform love that sent Jesus to the cross. I want it to move me in all the ears. I want to see everything and everyone through the cross of Jesus and have God make a difference in my life. See, that's new. And, and I want to ask you, ask yourself all year long, what's new about me? What's new about you? And keep asking yourself and and say, am I living the life, a newness of life? Let's pray. Father, we are embarking on a new year. And we want to live new. Oh, we're not talking about New Year's resolutions or turning over a new leaf. Not that kind of new. That's a new that we do ourselves. We work it up and we try to work it out. But this is a different kind of new. This is a new that you work in and then you work it out. It's not outside in, it's inside out. That's what we desire. That's the kind of newness that we seek. And it won't happen, not apart from you or apart from your word or apart from your people. We need each other. So Lord, as we embark on a new year, may we live out newness of life, considering what it cost Jesus when he died and rose again, that we would no longer, no longer, we would stop it, no longer self-centered, no longer me-oriented, but Christ-oriented, cross-oriented, cruciform-oriented. Help us to live and walk that way for your glory, as you alone deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.